This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to catch up with how everyone got on with the Dorset Cereals Breakfast on the Slow Challenge. For anyone who needs a reminder, Dorset Cereals challenged me to enjoy at least one breakfast on the slow per week for four weeks. One morning to prioritize myself and really nourish myself from the inside out with a delicious breakfast. To help myself to do this and a tip that might help you guys, I've put some time aside in my calendar as though I would with a meeting to really help block that time off for me. This week, my breakfast was a gloriously nutty muesli with some creamy oat milk and fresh berries, and it was absolutely delicious. It was full of crunch and the perfect start to my day. Just a reminder that Dorset Cereal's entire muesli range is vegan, high in fiber, and pretty much all of the mueslis contain no added sugar, which is a real bonus when they taste as good as they do. This challenge has really reminded me to appreciate the beauty of a slower breakfast, which can set you up for a better day ahead. While I know that for me, it's not possible to always fit a slow breakfast in every morning, when I am able to do it, I definitely feel the benefits. So why not treat yourself and give it a go and let me know how you get on. You can visit dorsetcereals.co.uk to find out more about breakfast on the slow, where you can discover delicious recipes and tips on how to start the day at a slower pace.
My guest today is the fabulous Alicia Dixon. She is a singer, a rapper, a songwriter, dancer, television personality, entrepreneur and mother whose career spans the past two decades where she's achieved phenomenal success and I have to say I'm a massive fan of hers particularly her Strictly stint as you guys know I'm the biggest Strictly Come Dancing fan which I'm sure we'll get on to but anyway welcome Alicia how are you doing? Oh that was a nice intro thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really well thank you so much I'm really excited to be talking to you today I've been admiring you from afar so uh, it's nice to finally uh, meet you. Thank you so much for being a part of this and I think one of the things I really wanted to start to talk to you about today was really how you found the past year. I know it's been a really challenging one for all of us in lots of different ways. And I'd love to hear how you've navigated it for both yourself and also for your family as well. It's been a very interesting year. It's been a roller coaster of emotions. But I think there's been a lot of positivity to take out of this situation. So even though there's been a lot of sadness in the world and there's a lot going on socially and culturally, what I've tried to just focus on myself is personal growth and quality time with my family and really taking stock of what's important and what really matters to me and just really counting my blessings and being thankful for the things that I have and really, you know, that cliche saying, you know, stopping and smelling the roses and just being in the present moment and really, really soaking it in. So like everyone, of course, there have been many, many ups and downs, but, you know, looking back on it in hindsight, it has been very rewarding in lots of other ways. I think those really small moments in life that we sort of sometimes take for granted because we live at such a fast paced speed these days. I think just slowing down and just being has been wonderful and becoming more independent and business savvy and thinking outside of the box and being creative as well. So I think on a personal note, it's been very rewarding, but it's been a mixture of emotions because, you know, being a compassionate person and being tuned into what's happening in the world, there have been moments that have really thrown me and made me sad and I've had to work through, but I'm glad to say there have been far more highs personally so at this point I just want to be really really grateful and and not complain yeah (laughs) so much to be happy about yeah and I love that idea of gratitude and you're so right when everything was stripped away from us this year Mm. you really do start to hone in on the things that really matter to you so particularly for myself it's been the people that matter you know when, when you can't see everyone you sort of really focus in on okay who really do I need to lean on right now but also just you know what where you spend your energy and what you spend your energy on just becomes so much more important and and you're right you develop a level of gratefulness for those things or gratitude for those things that that perhaps you didn't necessarily have before when you maybe might have taken those things for granted yeah I mean I'd like to think that I've always been a person that has gratitude for everything you know from when I think back to the early days in my career it was life-changing, a dream come true. I always felt like a lucky girl and I've always carried that with me, that sense Mm. of every day giving thanks for what I have and the position that I'm in. But I would say that the last year, it's just heightened everything. I think the world has become ultra sensitive and all of us have just tuned in a little bit more and there's been a lot more awareness and a lot of growth. And I think that's that's very healthy, which is ironic considering this whole year has been about the challenges of protecting our health. So it's been been a spiritual journey for a lot of people. And I think that, like you said, focusing on people and our relationships and how we can serve each other and what we can do personally that helps serve a bigger purpose. I think all of those things have just really come to the forefront. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when I think about some of the books that I've read that have really inspired me, it always comes back to the same theme of gratitude. And I think it's so interesting that you said that that's been a theme throughout your career, because I find a common thread in a lot of successful people is is being grateful for what you have and developing a, a gratitude practice almost. Absolutely. That like, yes, we can always strive for more, but in the world that we live in, we're always taught that more is better. And sometimes the people that have it right are the ones that really are able to not only strive for more, but at the same time, be grateful for what they have as well. And I think it's like striking that balance and definitely something that I'm trying to practice. I know that lots of people through lockdown started writing that gratitude lists and things like that just to really hone in on what am I actually grateful for right now rather than all of the things that I need to do or achieve absolutely and I think you're right it's about that balance because I can't start my day without saying thanks you know and I'm really starting to try and practice more meditation Mm. and just that stillness and alone time with your own thoughts because I think it's so easy to be congested and clouded by everything else externally that the real work starts internally so I tried to start my day with that focus point and the main things I always give thanks for are the the most obvious simple things which is you know I give thanks for people around me that I love that love me back I give thanks for my health the opportunities in my life the air in my lungs the water that I'm drinking like really simple things and I think when you focus on those things all the other things outside of that in a weird way they become I don't know if trivial is the word but it it, in a way it's remembering the most important things just puts everything else into perspective and it serves you better throughout your day when you start with a grateful heart and I think that's become a daily mantra for me and uh, I almost feel guilty or sort of I'm a bit hard on myself if I finish my day and I've been a bit grumpy or I didn't you know say thanks in the morning I'm like you know give myself a kick up the butt because I think it's a continuous journey it's like a daily practice I don't you just wake up one day and you've got all the answers but I think every day is an opportunity to be your best self and serve those around you to the best of your ability and I think it just starts with that simple meditation and practice in the morning which is what I'm personally finding helpful yeah and at the end of the day you are human as well though so we forgive you if you have a grumpy day don't worry we love a hormone don't we (laughs) yeah (laughs) um you referenced earlier your sort of your journey and your and the start of your career and I actually wanted to take you back and and ask a little bit about your upbringing you know you're incredibly successful and I often think who we are is shaped by our environment in which we grow up in, the people who inspire us, the people who surround us when we're young. Do you feel like you learned a lot from your childhood environment and do you take anything from that that you feel has helped you with your success? Wow, that's a big question. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, naturally, of course, we are all a product of our environment. And again, I've never wanted to be the kind of person that's like, you know, feel sorry for me, feel sorry for me. But I have had, you know, things happen in my childhood that have, you know, knocked me to my core that I've had to spend many, many years of my life working through and dealing Mm. with. As you know, most people having a human experience go through something that shapes them or affects the way that they behave in life and ultimately the choices we make good and bad, you know, the lessons we learn. And so, yeah, through the ups and the downs in my childhood and the things that I've seen and coming from a very dysfunctional family uh, and a very simple life, I think that has ultimately has driven me to want to break the cycle of things that I went through as a child to make sure that 
my children maybe are never exposed to some of the things that I saw as a child that I shouldn't have seen. And Mm. I want them to grow up feeling like really secure because I grew up very insecure about everything, never felt good enough, always questioned myself, but strangely always had ambition and always Mm. had drive and always wanted to do something good with my life. I didn't know exactly what that was when I was very young. I know that through most of my school life, I wanted to be a, a PE teacher because sport was my outlet. That was my release. And that's how a lot of the frustrations and anger and sadness that I had as a child, that was my therapy. That's kind of how I dealt with things. I threw myself at sport and I excelled at that. So I thought I could maybe give back in that area by becoming a teacher. And, you know, ultimately that's not what I ended up doing. I ended up going into music, but everything I've been interested in as a young child, whether it be music, writing, sport, these are what I call my therapy and my way of expressing myself, getting out you know, how I feel. And I've always been a very connected person in that way that everything I do, it's just an extension of who I am. So I think, yeah, things that happened in my childhood that weren't always pleasant. I think I've tried my best to use that now to my advantage and turn that around and learn from it, become better, do better. And as I said before, hopefully break that cycle so that my children grow up in a very, very different situation. And it's a really tricky one for me because I, even though I went through some tough times as a child, I also had some amazing times as a child. And I've never wanted to, I think in the past, there's been this misconception that I had a really bad childhood. That's not the case. I had a great childhood and I had a lot of love around me, but I did Mm. see things that I shouldn't have seen as a young girl. And affected me and it took me many many years to work through it and get to the place of healing that I'm at now yeah speaking as a you know I I'm an ambassador for women's aid and I am a victim of domestic violence when I was only 16 so I feel that that trauma and that experience in my life has definitely informed and created and shaped who I am as a person today and I think some of the things that you go through when you experience that level of Mm. I guess abuse is that you become a shell of the person that you were And it's really a case of having to rebuild yourself from the ground back up. And that takes so much work. And, you know, I'm speaking 12 years on from my experience and I'm still doing the work now. And I think it's so interesting that you speak about your healing journey, because I think that's absolutely something that I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with is, is really how you learn to rebuild yourself. You know, we see you in the press as being this amazingly successful person but it's often the things that have had to go on behind the scenes that have helped you to get there and I wondered if you could talk about how you've worked through your trauma and maybe some of the things that you found helpful you know do you have you had therapy or is it something that you work through in a different way obviously you've spoken about sport as being one of the things that you lean Mm. on which I can absolutely resonate with because that for me was the thing that I first lent on was exercise and 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 really that making me feel physically strong so that I was almost mentally strong in a way but is there anything else that you felt helped you on your on your journey of recovery and and healing well I had to relearn what the meaning of a relationship was and that's taken me a long long time to understand what a healthy relationship is and how to get to that place of I can honestly say that this point in my life I'm in a healthy relationship and it's taken a long time to get there because in a way like when when you witness that or experience that your judgment is just completely clouded and you don't know you you don't know your left from your right and what's right and what's wrong and you've got to re-educate and relearn and it's taken me many many years and I'd say aside from sport which was really good for me in the sense of I was very angry I was always frustrated easily irritated 
carrying around the heavy load. I think sport enabled me to kind of get out that frustration and that release. And that that continues to be therapy for me, working out. But I think on a deeper level, I would say music has been my savior because ever since I was young and started writing, that has been, it's almost like an extension of your soul. And I always feel like with songs, they're like, they're already pre-written and that we just have to catch up with them. And in a way, it's like your soul already knows what it needs to say or what it wants to say in order to offload a bit more. And that has been my journey with music professionally from about 18. That's always been my relationship. It's like when something needs to be released or something needs to take place in terms of healing, I find that music is the way that that happens for me. And so I feel very lucky that I have that outlet that I've been able to see music as an extension of who I am, a bit like a, a personal diary of your inner workings of your soul, trying to surround yourself as well with great people, healthy people, healthy-minded people, uplifting people. And I've had you know, bad relationships that have not served me well in the past, but then I've learned a lot again about myself. I don't believe you just wake up one day and, you know, you're this whole person who's got it all figured out. But I think that you can get to a place where you can start to make sense of trauma. You can start to see the things that work, you know, and once you tune into the tools that work and, and most of that work happens in the mind, you can then become the observer of that and you become you're in control of it rather than it controlling you. So it's more about learning how to manage it. And you can work through it to a point where you can let it go. And when you do let it go, you become lighter, you're free, you can walk around with that content feeling, you know, forgiveness is a big part of that as well. That takes a lot of work, but you can get there. And I find the more I've forgiven, the more I've let go, the more I work on myself, the, the more I become tuned in to my mind and my mental state, that the easier these things are to deal with, really. And I just, I think acceptance as well, which is really, really difficult because so many things happen to us outside of us and out of our control. And then we're left to deal with the consequences of somebody else's behavior, which is also very, very difficult. But you can get rid of negative people. You can move away from toxicity and you can move into a place where you surround yourself with positivity and goodness and loving people and create new healthy, wholesome relationships. It is possible. I've done it. <laughs> and I'm there, you know, I'm 42 years old now. And I have two children that I would like to say, I believe are in a healthy environment, you know, a stable environment with two parents that love and respect each other and have good communication skills. Because I think children learn more sometimes by what they see than what you say to them. And so growing up, I didn't really see healthy relationships and good communication skills. I saw people coming and going. I saw violence. And so therefore, it took me a long time to work out how to have good communication skills, how to have healthy relationships, because I was trying to heal and figure out, you know, all the things that I saw as a kid. So yeah, it's, it sounds like a, sounds like a sob story, but it really has shaped, you're right, it has shaped who I am. And even to this day, it's not, it's still not always easy to talk about. But again, I know that talking is therapeutic and healing is taking place even within a conversation like we're having. So I always encourage people to talk and share because all you do when you hold on to things, you're only hurting yourself. So yeah. the practicing letting go and communicating is so, so powerful.
So much of what you just said then really resonated with me. I also agree with you that you can't just wake up one day and be a happy version and suddenly just click your fingers and everything fall mm. into place. And I also think that sometimes even when you are doing the work, you know, I've, you know, quite soon after my experience, I thought, oh, I'm going to have therapy and I'm going to do all these things that I think should help me. And none of it worked because I just wasn't in the space already to, to kind of really let go of all of that. And, and as you said, find a place of forgiveness and acceptance, which are two words that I definitely think are part of my recovery. I think it's so interesting that, that you referenced that. I'd love to touch on the music element that you brought up because I think that's so interesting. And I don't really know much about your journey into the music industry. Obviously, I know what you then went on to achieve, but I'd love to hear about how that process sort of began and what inspired you to take that route over going down the sport route initially? I think, as I said, I've always had a love of it. You know, I used to run for my county, play netball for the county. I was coaching gymnastics. I wanted to be a sports teacher. I mean, it was my life. Mm. And there was this kind of clear, obvious route to becoming a sports teacher. And because I always like to have a plan in place, just felt like a really practical plan, something I can achieve that I'm also really, really passionate about. And so that's what, when I left school and I did a national diploma in sports studies, that was my intention. But I think deep, deep down in that place of fear, I guess, was this burning desire to perform, to create, to write, to do music. But mm. I suppressed it a bit because I didn't know anything about the music industry. I didn't know how to get into the music industry. I was afraid of it. You know, obviously I had a, my father was, at the time was very nervous about me getting into the music industry because statistically, you know, the odds were against you. And rightly so, he was correct. So I kind of buried it a little bit. But what I did when I was studying at college, I decided to just go into London and take a street dancing class just for a bit of fun because in my area you couldn't take a street dancing class and I just wanted an outlet. I wanted to do something that I was passionate about that I had gravitated towards in the past. And so I found this class in Bond Street and with literally within two weeks of going, I met somebody there who said to me that they had a production company and asked me if I sang and would I be interested in coming to the studio and doing some writing. And I was over the moon that I'd been approached by this lady called Louise Porter. And so I said, yes. She said, oh, I saw you dancing and I like your vibe. Do you sing? So that's kind of how that conversation went. That was within mm. the second session of going. And then on the way home on the train, I got approached by another lady. This was so random. It was on the same day. And she said to me, oh, I'm putting together a girl group. Would you be interested? And I remember going home. I think I was 18 at the time. And I walked through the door and I said to my mum, I was like, I think the universe is trying to tell me something. I was like, literally, two women on the same day have approached me about singing and I'm a very intuitive instinctive person and I do even though I was riddled with fear I am a risk taker and I mm. do like to think that these things kind of happen for a reason and so I ended up contacting the first lady that I met Louise Porter and I started going to the studio and writing and working with her you know cut a long story short because there were obviously lots of things that happened in between but I basically made the decision to not go to Loughborough which was my university of choice to become a PE teacher and I decided that I was going to pursue a singing career and it literally was that and I was it was the scariest decision I'd ever made in my life because it was literally like jumping off the edge of a cliff and not knowing what's going to happen because you just you're taking such a big risk with your life but it, there was something within me that just instinctively felt 
felt right. And I was gravitating towards that feeling that I had. It was just, I felt like there was something bigger that I should be doing. And so even from 18, I'd like to think I've always been quite instinctively tuned in and connected to my internal compass that sort of drives these decisions that I make. And I do believe now when I look back in hindsight that every time I've done something that steps out of a comfort zone or feels the fear, you know, but I do it anyway, that's when I get the best results when I'm proactive Mm. in that sense. When I sit in the fear and I don't do anything, my energy becomes stagnant and nothing moves. And I think that you've got to flow with that kind of universal energy. And some people are are more pragmatic and they like to know exactly what's happening and what they're doing and they want to know what the future holds. And that's great. But I think I'm very different in that respect that I, I work more on instinct and that's just always served me well as risky and as silly as it may have seemed to maybe some family and friends at the time that theory has just always worked for me kind of it really and I was broke of course for a good you know four or five years taking (laughs) part-time jobs whilst I was in this group and constantly having to answer questions when family and friends are asking me how's the music going I'm like yeah great great you know showcasing for different labels and changing lineups and things like that I just kept going because I believed in it and it was almost like there was no other option other than it had to work it wasn't nothing else was acceptable but there were moments where you know all three of us thought you know we can't do this anymore maybe we are going to have to go back to university you know Mm. one of the girls was studying business and she deferred from her course and one of the other girls wanted to be a lawyer like we all had sensible backup plans but we were so determined together that 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 really was the driving force and it sounds so whimsical I know but it was it was a feeling it was a it was a deeper knowing and that's what drove me it really was simple how serendipitous of a yeah. day to just be in those two places at the right time and you were the person that they were looking for. I just think stories like that always give me goosebumps. You know, when you hear about like a model being scouted or, you know, someone like yourself just being picked up in a class. It, I mean, it does happen, but it's yeah. always like those crazy stories. And for it to happen twice in one day is nuts. We'll be back after this. We'll be back after this. The main thing that I learned at that moment was to give a bit of context to this. Do you remember I said to you, like, growing up, I was afraid of everything? And yeah. I was even afraid to pick up the phone and inquire about this street dance class. That's how mm. nervous of a person I was and scared mm. to go to this, because obviously come, growing up in Hertfordshire, go to this class in London by myself because none of my friends were interested. Picking up the phone and making an inquiry made me so nervous. I mean, when I think back to that, it's it's a ridiculous feeling that I used to sit with. So the fact that I got the courage to make the call, then I got the courage to go on my own, stood at the back of the class <laughs> and felt like I probably shouldn't be there. And then on the second time of going, I got approached. So the lesson I learned was by doing the the simple action of making a call and making the effort to go, Mm -hmm. I then attracted that energy. And that's been another common theme throughout my life. Like when I do something proactive or productive, as simple as the action might seem, there's a direct reaction that seems to like 
grow something amazing. And so I've, that's what I mean by once you learn the simple skills of you applying yourself to whatever it is that you want to do, whatever your intention is, if you pursue that intention, you will be rewarded with a direct reaction to the action and the intention and the effort that you put into something. Mm. So it was just an interesting lesson, as simple as that was. If I hadn't have made that phone call, I would have been, I don't know what I'd have been doing. PE teacher Alicia, which we're going to talk about in a second. (laughs) What I absolutely love about that, and actually, do you know what? This has come up for me twice a day, and I think it's a a sign for the universe going off what we were talking about, is this idea of like jumping into stuff and rather than thinking what might go wrong, jumping into something and being like, what might go right? You know, I think we live in this culture where like failure is much more accepted now, isn't it? And we talk about our failures in almost a positive way, which is great. And I'm one of those people who absolutely can look back on my failures and say, there's stuff I learned from the things that have gone wrong in my life that have helped me get to where I am today. But I would also say that when we are embracing new things, trying new things out, you know, being in the room in order to get seen or heard, rather than going into that environment, which is what I probably would have previously done and think, well, this might go wrong and that might go wrong, but I'm still going to try and do it anyway. Mm. You already enter in a bit of a negative mindset. You're already talking yourself out of it before you've even said what you need to say or do what you need to do. So I'm trying to do that thing of what might go right here? What might go my way? It might not. But if I have that positive intention of what could be good from this, what might come from this that could be a positive thing, that's such a better way to look at all of these things that are outside of our comfort zone. Because you, like you've experienced, you never know what might happen in a day. And if you've got that kind of go-getting mindset, that mindset that's like, I can do these things, even if they terrify me, I can do them. You never know where you might get to. I think it's a case of not being afraid of how great you are. I know that sounds strange, but it's almost like not putting the limitations on yourself. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this, an author called Marianne Williamson. She's one of my favorites. And she, she has this great analogy about how every great possibility for your life is already pre-written. It's already out there. It's almost Mm. like we've just got to download our fire. We've just got to Allow yourself to flourish because if you operate through fear and put limitations and blockages on yourself, then you are blocking yourself from becoming the best version of yourself. Yeah. And that's why you're to your point, whenever you enter into any situation, if you if you manifest that by saying what great things might happen here, what could this lead to? It's a completely different energy to going in already with a defeatist attitude already deciding that something's not going to work because the universe listens. (laughs) I really believe it listens. So I try to apply that to everything. Everything I do has a positive intention and I, I have to visualize myself doing it and I have to believe that I'm deserving of it and see myself doing it. And I think if you can see it, why can't you do it? Completely. But also in response to that as well, just never being apologetic for your success, never That's being right. apologetic for your greatness. Like like you said, trust in your greatness and trust that you can do things. You know, I find one of the hardest things on social media and, and within the role that I play, and, and I'm not sure whether you felt this too, is celebrating your wins. You know, there is stuff that goes right for me and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. But gosh, I don't want to offend anyone if I tell something that someone this has gone amazing or I don't want to make other people feel bad. And I, I'm very apologetic with my success sometimes. And I think actually I'm trying to be better at just saying, I did this and it was amazing or like I achieved this and I feel great about it and and you know sort of just really 
trying to be more, I guess, proud of my achievements rather than trying to be, you know, play that humble card, which which sometimes, you know, isn't right. I think it's the British way, isn't it? It is. It's terrible. We're all And I think humility <laughs> is a great quality. And I mm. think humility is a, is a very good thing. But I also think that when you win, we win. Because, for example, when I see somebody doing well on social media, it inspires me because I think, oh, wow, when I see something positive on social media or somebody having a small win, rather than that make me feel bad about myself, not only is there power in being happy for somebody else's success, it yeah. also inspires me to think, oh my goodness, if she's doing that or he's doing that, then why can't I do this? So I try to use it in a way to serve me, to help me, to fuel me, to, to keep going and fighting. So again, I think we can we're all responsible for how we choose to look at things, how we choose to feel about things. And I choose to see people on social media winning as a good thing. And I think that it really is a powerful thing if you can be genuinely happy for somebody else's success, because rather than seeing it as a negative blow to yourself. Yeah, I'm going to take that into every time I go on social media now. I love that. You've spoken a lot about sport and exercise, which I love. And obviously this podcast centers around strength. So I definitely wanted to cover this. Post kind of, you know, you had your place to study at Loughborough, which you didn't eventually take, but how have you continued to exercise throughout your life? And what would you say, you know, at this point now where you are, what is your relationship to exercise now? If I don't exercise now, I I don't I don't like myself. <laughs> that sounds strange, but if I'm exercising and I'm doing it consistently, I'm such a nice person. <laughs> it's like the best way to explain it, it's like I get up in the morning and once I've worked out, I feel like I can take on the world. It dusts off all the cobwebs. Yeah. It's sort of my hormones feel balanced. I feel my mind feels clear, my brain, there's no brain fog. And I really struggle on the days that I don't work out. And that's mm. the relationship I have with exercise because I see the benefits of what it chemically does to me. Mentally, it just makes me feel sane. It just sets me up for my day and everything else in my day is more manageable because I've exercised. So yeah. I need it. It is my therapy. And actually, it's always been a part of my life. And I've always had a relation, a, a good relationship with working out. But I would definitely say the last year, it has been my survival tool. You know, over the summer when we were in the first lockdown, I was, I mean, I, I don't know how many times a week you train, but I was normally a three times a week kind of girl, you know, maybe mm -hmm. Monday, Wednesday and Friday. But I upped it during lockdown. I was adding in a Pilates class here and there or a yoga class on top of the sort of body conditioning. Mm. And it's just, it's just made me feel alive. And when I've had those times where I felt down, I felt sad, that's been my savior. That's just what's kept yeah. me going. So I need it like I need air. It's my best friend. It helps mm. me with every other aspect of my life. And as I said before, I am a better person because of it. Yeah, I love that. And, and and I'm the same, you know, I, I always like joke with Paddy, my partner, but like, if I don't exercise for a few days, it will get to the point where I'm like, God, I really need to just get, it's almost like for me, I need to get rid of like some energy, some stress. It's the only way to sort of get it out is to have a really tough workout. Can you talk me through your favorite ways to work out? What does the typical exercise week look like for you now? 
at the moment I'm doing five times a week. I do Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. I, I work with a personal trainer who I've worked with now for over 10 years. Her name's Janet. She's amazing. She's my little Miss Motivator. Mm-hmm. And it's worked out really well doing our workouts over FaceTime. And, you know, prior to the, the pandemic, she would come to my house or we'd go to her gym. And we said, even when we're allowed, you know, back into each other's homes or back to the gym, I think we want to carry on doing it on the FaceTime because it's just been really practical, saves her traveling to me, you know, and it's just, it's just working out really well. So I'm very lucky. I've got a little setup at home and she takes me through, you know, lots of, I love weight training. That's one Mm. of my favorite things to do. And I've just got some heavier weights to add on, which is really exciting. (laughs) So she just, she changes up the workout every week focus on a different body part you know on Monday Wednesday and Friday and then on Tuesdays I'll do a Pilates class with her and some of her girls then on a Friday I'll do a yoga class and I when I do the yoga and Pilates that is the the one thing that shows me that I've still got lots of work to do because when I'm doing weight training I feel super fit and I'm like I've got this and then I do Mm. the pace and I'm like oh my hips and I'm like I need to stretch more and I need to become a little bit more supple and I think the yoga and Pilates really helps calm my energy Mm. and And again, it's that connection, isn't it? When you do yoga and Pilates, it's a little bit more like you're tuning in a little bit more with your energy frequencies. And I think it's it's another form of meditation for me. And so I think mentally the yoga and Pilates are really good for me. And from a stress-free point of view, and like you say, just all-round life management, I think the the weight training works really well. So Mm. I'm loving it. I never thought that I would be working out five times a week, but it you know, it's lovely. And then I, I have my weekends off and I do nothing, maybe go for a walk in the woods with the girls and the dogs. And that, that just works out nice. Then I feel rested and ready to hit it again on Monday. And if I don't nail Monday, the rest of the week is a little bit of a struggle. So Monday's very important. Yeah. What I love though, is that's a really nice balance of sort of higher impact stuff. And, and obviously the lower impact stuff with the Pilates and the yoga, because obviously everyone has different thresholds at which they can train and different amounts they can tolerate each week. And so for you, it's sounds like you found the perfect balance of I love my weight training so I can manage three days of that and then I also know that I need some mobility and some kind of more low impact stuff so I'm going to do the classes and the yoga too and that's such a great balance and it is really lovely to hear from someone who just does it for the love of it I think it's so nice that not in any part of when you talk about exercise have you referenced how you look that it's always been about I love it because it makes me feel amazing I love it because it makes me feel strong and yeah you're so right you get that you know I'm I still think we live in a world where you know, a lot of people take up exercising because they want to change the way that they look. And yes. that's fine as an initial motivation. And I'm not discounting that for a lot of people, but it's been so refreshing to hear you talk about it so passionately, but not once sort of say, oh, I do it to look good. You know, it's, it's so nice. When I was at school, my friends hated me because I was the only one in my group of friends that genuinely looked forward to PE <laughs> and looked, looked forward to it. And they were like, the teachers only love you because you love it. And I was like, well, I do. I genuinely love it. Like sport was my, as I said, it was my friend. It was my yeah. savior. It helped me. So my relationship with it is so much deeper than what it you know like you said the superficial aspect of it Mm. those things of course that naturally comes with it you know that inner glow that you get the way your skin starts to look better from working out and good blood flow and all of that but Mm. it really is deeper it's a mental thing yeah it's a chemical thing and so I hope to God that as long as I have two legs and I'm on this planet that I don't care how old I am I really want to be exercising for the rest of my life and what was so lovely for me last weekend it was my 
mum's birthday and my mum turned 64 and she joined me for a yoga class and that was really really cool and I thought yeah that's how it should be you know when I'm in my 60s 70s 80s I still want to be in the gym working out and proving that you're never too old to do the things you love and like you say I, I appreciate and understand why it's a struggle for some people because I have my own friends and family messaging me and saying they want to get started and they just don't know how and that's one of the things I really enjoy doing is trying to send little videos or things that are inspiring to help people connected to me or around me to kind of get them on this journey because because once I think you know the positive benefits of it you just wish everybody was doing it because you know how beneficial it will be to people's lives yeah and so I'm always trying to encourage people to just try something but also it's about people tapping into something they, they like to do. Because I think when you enjoy something, it doesn't feel like a chore. And I that's feel like key. you're singing from my hymn sheet. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm literally like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Honestly, this is so good. I mean, like, yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything you're saying. One of the things that I did want to ask you, which I'm sure a lot of people listening will will be able to resonate with is, is how you journeyed through motherhood and through your pregnancies and coming out the other side of that. Did you find it easy to exercise through pregnancy? And particularly afterwards as well, how did you find getting back into training? Well, with my first pregnancy, I was a little bit cautious because it was all new and I was figuring it out, but I still continued to work out. I, I, again, I was very lucky because I had Janet. So she, because she'd trained pregnant women in the past, she knew how to tailor the, the exercises to suit where I was at at that time. So mm. it's more of a, a gentle approach, but you can still do weight training. You can still do the things that you love, but I guess having somebody there that says, right, we're going to try it this way, or we're going to reduce this weight, or we're going to try it in this position because that will be more gentle on your lower back. So it's having someone there to guide you, I think was very beneficial for me. I enjoyed working out during my pregnancy. My second pregnancy was a little bit more challenging because I was very busy right right up to the end of having her. In fact, my waters broke four weeks early because I was working quite a lot prior to... You were filming, um, weren't you? Was, well, were you doing- filming the greatest answer I, yeah. I originally was going to do it in trainers and I was like no I'll do it in heels I'll be fine and then I then I started to regret it but they were very sweet on production and making sure I had a chair and but even you know it doesn't matter how many chairs you've got if you're eight months pregnant <laughs> you'll get very tired and so that was quite exhausting but what I did do after I had my first baby I took about three months off before I got back into exercise but when I after I had Anaya I got back into exercise four weeks after I'd had her because mm. I just I just felt ready I felt mm. good and my, my my partner's got footage of me outside <laughs> with Anea in the buggy and she was like yeah four or five weeks old and I'm like doing like really really fast paced walking you know like just pushing the buggy and just doing like really gentle things I think yeah. I've got enough knowledge over the years now to know to not be silly about it and to take my time so I would never do anything that my body wasn't ready to do mm. but it felt right and I think that's where you've got to listen to your body and I have to say I think I'm in better shape not in terms of like my figure, but just in terms of like my strength. I think mm. I've got more strength now since having two children at 42 than I did when I was in my 20s, Amazing. which is interesting and really has shown me how amazing the human body is because there's something quite motivating after you've had a child because it's not necessarily about proving something to yourself, but you are motivated to kind of just get back to yourself, if that makes sense, just to yeah. get back to how you felt before you had the baby. And so 
once I got back to that place again after having Azura, I was, my mind was blown. I thought, wow, I feel stronger now than I did before I had a baby. Mm. So therefore going into the second pregnancy, I, I wasn't worried at all. Yeah. And of course I still have my, what I call it my little kangaroo pouch, <laughs> you know, that lower part of your tummy, that stubborn bit of tummy fat that just doesn't want to go anywhere because it can't be bothered. And, you know, I work out five times a week and I've done that for so long now. And there's certain parts of me that, you know, you look at me and you go, okay, I've had a baby. That's, that's going to be harder to shift, but I just, I have to make peace with it because mm. that's how beautiful the body is. You know, it just is, it's incredible. And I'm more in awe of it rather than in a place where I would want to criticize it. So that's, you know, it's been nice in that, from that point of view. Yeah. And I think, you know what, touching on what you said about the kind of finding yourself post motherhood, I think when a lot of, you know, and I, I'm sure that I will find this when my time comes, when fitness is part of your identity and who you are, I would say that exercise makes up a big part of, of who I am as a person. Mm. And so it's not necessarily about the physique goals. It's about, well, exercise is a component of, of me. And so it's really about getting that side of yourself back. And also, I think what we know, and particularly in that post-motherhood stage, after you've had the baby and you've kind of had the, the checkup and you're okay to exercise, is for the mental side of things. You know, yes. we know that it can be um, really helpful when it comes to postpartum depression, but also just general you know body image help and just making you feel more energized um, more happy in yourself and and so I think it's really nice to hear someone like yourself who says you know I felt ready and it was to help myself in all of these ways and and that you really embraced it in a slow and steady way but that it was something that you really almost looked forward to and I think that's that's really nice to hear I did and actually you know I'm very fortunate that I didn't suffer mentally after the birth but before I had a Nea, I actually had a couple of weeks where I was crying every day. I felt sad. I felt mm. down and I couldn't figure it out why I felt so sad. But yeah, I've got this, the most incredible thing is happening. I was so overjoyed to be having a baby. This is everything that I wanted. Why was I so sad? Mm. And the only thing I could put that down to was the fact that at that point I wasn't working out as much because I think I was, you know, eight months pregnant. And also, you know, I, my hormones were all over the place, but I felt, just felt really down all the time. And it was the yeah. most bizarre feeling for me because I I hadn't had that feeling for such a long time. Mm. And I think that, you know, balancing out your hormones from working out is so important. And as I said, not doing it, it really, I really noticed the difference. I wanted to touch on something that you sort of mentioned earlier, but I think, you know, for yourself, it actually must be so much harder. In being in the public eye, your appearance is so scrutinized. And, you know, you only have to look at certain apps or media outlets to see that there is so much pressure on particularly women to look a certain way. How have you found yourself dealing with this? And have you ever really struggled with that side of things? You know, thankfully, no, no, because I try not to give it any attention I'm aware that people have opinions and some people like one thing, some people don't. Mm. And I, again, I, I just accept that it's part of the job. I think if you come from a place where you are secure in yourself, it doesn't really matter about the outside noise. The chatter becomes very small. Yeah. You're aware that it's happening, but you don't take it on board and you don't allow it to overtake your spirit and your soul. Mm. But of course, I'm human. I've had times in my career where I've read things that are not nice and it has affected me. This isn't even necessarily about the way I look. You know, like if I read, for example, somebody criticized an outfit or something, I, I mean, I've got a sense of humor about that stuff. That doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. I think, again, yeah, the only thing I can put it down to is that I just don't tune into it. I just put it into perspective. I try not to allow people that I've never met or I don't know, 
I try not to allow that noise or the, their opinions to affect my present moment. I think it just comes back down to acceptance again. And mm. also because I'm not trying to be this perfect being, you know, I'm perfectly imperfect and I'm quite happy with that. And, you know, we're all human and we all have good and bad days. And I think no one's better than anyone else. And I think if you can just put all those things into perspective, then it's so much easier to manage and deal with any negativity or any noise or any outside opinions. It's just not important. It's about zooming out and putting things into perspective and knowing what really counts and knowing who you are when you're grounded in your own skin and comfortable in your own skin and know who you are, what you stand for, what you represent and who you are as a person, which is far more important, mm. that outweighs all of that stuff. Mm. You Do you know? think that's got easier with age? Yeah, definitely. Mm. You mm. see, this is one of the great things about getting older. <laughs> you, just, you just don't care. You, yeah. just don't, you don't have time for the small stuff. And to me, that is small stuff. And I know it's all relative. It depends on who you are and what, you know, where your insecurities and vulnerabilities are. But for me, outside noise and negativity and rude people or ignorant people like that stuff, I just, I just haven't got time for it. I'm trying to raise humans over here, you know? Do you know what? That was one of my questions was really the conversations about health and fitness that you have with your kids. Mm. So you sort of reference them a lot. And I think it's really interesting how it seems as though they're involved in, you know, the stuff that you do, that, you know, the healthy approaches that you have to life. Are you sort of more conscious about the way that you talk about health and fitness with them and and sort of the language that you use? Massively. Like, Mm. I mean, where do I even start with that? Because Azura, my first child, is a major inspiration and driving force in everything that I do. When I said to you earlier that I believe that children learn more by what they see than Mm. what you say to them, you know, every day she sees me and her father working out. So she knows that's just part of normal life. And then we obviously Mm. always try to do physical activities and make it fun for her. So she enjoys it more than anything. Mm. But she's just been the driving force on so many levels, because not only when I felt when I felt pregnant with Azura, I became a better person. Like I just became a nicer person because I became so aware of, you know, the kind of mother that I wanted to be and setting a good example for her and making sure that she sees a healthy relationship and making sure that I'm as sort of mentally tuned in as I possibly can be. Of course, I still make mistakes and I say things and do things that wouldn't get a five star for parenting for. But my my mission every day is to try and be the best parent that I can be and the best example. So yeah. when I fell pregnant with her, she re-energized me and pretty much everything I'm doing now, including, you know, my Noble Blue project is all because of her, because she is the one and now Anaya as well, where I'm like, okay, you know, time for some real business now. You know, mm. I've got to step up a gear because I've got these two impressionable human beings that rely on me, that I have to feed, that have to look after I have to protect and so on so many levels in a way they've become the making of me I think Mm, and it's lovely yeah it's so so nice nice. yeah because I feel this huge weight of responsibility and uh, I just don't want to you know what I I don't want to mess up and you know I might because like you said earlier we're all human human, (laughs) I'm trying my best to be a good example to be you know a self-sufficient woman you know with my Mm. own business to be healthy in mind and body and soul and for her to just absorb all of that because she's around us and we're a very creative positive household and actually going back to your first question about the pandemic Mm. other than 
working out which was my savior. My children were my savior because even if we were feeling down or feeling sad or a bit confused or a bit scared or seeing things in the news that were hurtful or sad, we had to show up every day in this house positively so that our kids felt that energy because when she looks back on this time in years to come, I want her to remember it as a fun time with mum and dad, a fun time where the house was happy. You know, we were baking, we were cooking, we were working out, we were playing games, we were having fun, we were rocking homeschooling. Mm. And I want her to remember this time as a joyful one because that's the tone that we set in the house. So yeah. they helped us because they, they, in a way, they helped keep our mood up. We, it was like we didn't have time to be down or sad because we had to stay positive for the kids. Mm. So, you know, they've helped us on so many levels I love that I want I want to be in your house during lockdown <laughs> try to have a party every day <laughs> now you just referenced your new project which I would yeah. love for you to share with me what are you up to and what can you tell us so for many years I've wanted my own business I've wanted to do something that felt something that I could call my own mm. because for many many years you know especially I mean obviously with Mystique I was the founding member. We put the group together and we had obviously full ownership, but we were always signed to a label. And then you you leave a group and you sign to somebody else's label and then you work with brands and then you, you know, you work for this TV production company. And so everything I've done over my life has always been, of course, it's been passion projects, but serving somebody else. Mm. And so I thought, wouldn't it be really cool at this turning point in my life, you know, turning 40, having two children now, if I could create and do something that was, mine and and true ownership and the best way I knew how to do that was to just start with something that I genuinely love Mm. and genuinely feel can serve other people and help other people and so that's how Noble Blue was born because it's actually an anagram of mine and Azura's names her name is meaning sky blue and noble Alicia means noble so I put the two the two words together and I thought right here we go noble blue what can this do how can this help people and so my business partner and I we sat down we brainstormed and we met with lots of different companies until we found a company that we felt aligned with us and Mm -hmm. our vision so that's basically what I've been working on behind the scenes for a long time and now it's like giving birth to a new baby (laughs) and it feels more nerve-wracking because it's my own but at the same Mm -hmm. time it feels even more exciting because it's my own and I just thought I mean, there is nothing more beautiful than the space of wellness. There's nothing more beautiful than doing something that can hopefully help other people. And as we were talking earlier about, it starts with my friends and family and how I try to be of service to them mm-hmm. and how they, they're of service to me in other ways. And so I thought, well, let's extend that out. And so that's why we're starting with supplements, but that's one small part of what will hopefully be such a, you know, a bigger story, a bigger picture. Yeah. You know, I really want to build a community and build a communication with my customers and audience so that they tell me what they want and what they need. And we can have this open dialogue and figure out what people need in their lives to serve them well, so they can live the the most balanced, beautiful life that they possibly can with wellness at the heart of it, you know, so it's taking care of ourselves first so that we can serve others around us. And that's the overall mantra for Noble Blue is balance of life. And I think that it it, it is possible as somebody that's juggling lots of different things, has to wear lots of different hats. You can still do that 
with a calmness. <laughs> you can do that with a smile on your face. You can get up every day with gratitude in your heart. But the way you do that is by looking after yourself first. And so, yeah, this is very, very exciting because amazing. hopefully that's what we can do for people. Yeah, well, it sounds amazing. We'll put some links to that stuff in, in the bio of the episode, but it does sound incredible. And I think if there were an overarching theme from today's episode, I would say that it would absolutely be that you embody well-being from the inside out, that it seems as though you're doing all of the stuff internally so that the other stuff takes care of itself. That's and right. I think, you know, that's such a positive way to be. And, you know, I, I wrote actually only the other day that the most important relationship you're ever going to have in your life is the one that you have with yourself. And so rather than putting everyone else first and every other relationship above yourself, you know, pour into your own cup first and then right. deal with other people. And I think that, you know, you absolutely embody that. And I think it's, it's clearly reflected in the brand. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's a, it's a daily practice, isn't it? That's what I want to get across, that this isn't about a five-day plan and a seven-day plan. This is a lifestyle. Mm. This is a way of life, you know, like starting your day, like you say, like we were talking about earlier with meditation and gratitude, you know, serving yourself with exercise, putting the right food into yourself, being a kind person, working hard, going for the things that you want to go for in life, getting your good rest, staying well hydrated, making your juices, making your protein shakes, but also being human and living your life and having fun and allowing yourself a day off. So it's all of those things. And it's just finding a simple way of sort of managing managing your life, but that it becomes second nature to do all these things. Like some days I need, I need to put on a great podcast or read a great book or mm-hmm. watch because you know, your diet isn't just about what you eat. It's what you watch. It's what you consume. It's what you read. It's everything. And I need to feed myself with those things too, so that I can stay at my optimum prime, as they say, like to yeah. stay the best focused position that I possibly can. So we all need help. And I think we all need to help one another whilst, like you said, taking care of yourself. Yeah. Well, what a lovely note to end on. That was just so inspiring. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And um, I very much look forward to seeing all that's exciting and new to come from your company. So yeah, well done. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed that episode i have a little request for you all if it's not too much to ask it really really helps if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast as it means that others can find it and hopefully gain from it too we have a new episode dropping every week so stay tuned and thanks for listening you